The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. It was a uh, rather busy week in racing, a tragic one on some fronts. But before we get to the good and the bad news... I want to tell you who our guests are going to be. Our first guest is a gentleman that has to carry on a legacy, and he's been doing a fantastic job of it. His name is John Phillips, and he is currently the head of Darby Dan Farm in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, John uh, has been able to continue bringing quality horses into the state, which is no easy task when you think of the horses that have come out of Darby Dan. Uh, you've got uh, classic horses like Shadow Gay and Proud Clarion who won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Roberto won the English Derby. Uh, Little Current won the Preakness and the Belmont. And if he didn't have trouble in the Derby, would have been a Triple Crown winner. And let's not uh, forget uh, greats like the champion Philly Tempest Queen. And they continue. He's still uh, winning the QE2 down at Keeneland with uh, horses uh, steeped in Darby Dan blood. I uh, also uh, has some altruistic things that he's doing with his family. So he's quite an individual. Really looking forward to talking with John Phillips of Darby Dan Farm. And then a gentleman that you should be familiar with by now. The one, the only, Bob Railbird Roberts, longtime turf writer from the Cleveland area. Uh, Bob continues to do uh, freelance writing, but he's no longer with the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And uh, Bob also frequents the races quite often. Uh, so we're going to break down a couple of the uh, graded stakes races uh, from this week. Of course, there is a derby points race, and that is the El Camino Real has brought together a couple powerhouse stables, one headed by Doug O'Neill, and the other one is, is headed by none other than Jerry Hollendorfer. So uh, we'll see how see how those two uh, match up. And then uh, we're going to go to uh, the Royal Delta at Gulfstream Park and the Barbara Fritchie at Laurel Park. So... Uh, we uh, got that on tap, and that'll be Bob Railbird Roberts. And again, John Phillips will be our first guest. Um, hope you pulled down some easy win forms this week because uh, we've pretty much had winners, as always, from coast to coast. Good week at Tampa Bay Downs. Now, this one, you had to have your tickets spread out a little bit. But uh, uh, just five days ago at Tampa Bay, a 50-cent pick five 
brought home $49,000. And then at Tampa Bay, just uh, three days ago, we had a $1 super key on the Easy Win Forms that brought home $1,954. Let's not forget the Cajuns down there at Delta Downs. It was just four days ago we pulled out a 50-cent Super 5 that paid 2233 So uh, a really super, super week at Tampa Bay. Uh, you also had scores of 2700 and 2600 So pull down the easy win forms when you go to the races. As you can see, they've got some pretty good payoffs. Of course, uh, some good races at Laurel. Uh, San- Santa Anita has the grade 2 Buena Vista. And uh, down at Gulfstream Park, a race we're going to cover the Royal Delta. Uh, let's not forget. Oaklawn's open now, and Oaklawn has the uh, Bayacoa, which is a grade three. So a lot of good racing coming up over the weekend. Well, on to, uh, I guess we're going to kick the show off with some not-so-happy news. Lucky Pulpit, the sire of California Chrome, died of a heart attack. He was covering his first mare of the breeding season, and they say that uh, he seemed like he was in the picture of the health all day. Everything was perfectly normal. Normal. Uh, the teaser did his job. He mounted the mare and then apparently died of a heart attack. Lucky Pulpit was 16 years old, so he still had a few good years of breeding to him. And I'm sure that uh, they were lining up because he uh, was still standing at a very reasonable fee for a horse that has sired a uh, multiple champion in California Chrome, 7,500, and he does sit atop California's general sire list. Of course, uh, if you kick in California Chrome's earnings, it'll be a long time before anybody catches him. But really sorry for the people at at, uh, at Harris Farm because they do a great job. We had them on the show uh, earlier uh, when California Chrome was just taken off back then, I believe the horse was standing for 2500 So Lucky Chrome, sire of champion California Chrome, no longer with us. Also no longer with us, a champion herself, Royal Delta, died due to foaling complications. It looks like she was having a filly by Galileo at Cool Mill Coolmore Farm in Ireland, and uh, the the filly was saved, and she's reportedly doing well, but man, do you remember Royal Delta? She was something else. Uh, You know, she broke her maiden by 12, first time out. As a two-year-old, she was a daughter of Empire Maker. She went on to win the Eclipse Award at three, four, and five, winning 12 of her 22 starts, including six Grade ones. Uh, you may recall her first graded store score in the Black Eyed Susan Stakes, and she won the TVG Alabama. She did run second to Arve de Grasse in the Bell Dame, no disgrace right there, and then took down older girls in the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic. Uh, she was uh, quite the race mare. Of course, uh, you may recall that they thought she was going to be retired after a three-year-old season, but she was purchased by Saad Ben Kaled's Investments for $8.5 million, the third highest price ever for a race mare or broodmare prospect at the November sale, and luckily returned to Bill Mott, you may recall, for a four-year-old season 
and went on to win four graded stakes races. And uh, what, what a sportsman uh, the owner was, brought Royal Delta back for her five-year-old campaign. And uh, she continued to, to bring home the wins, winning in the, the Delaware Handicap, the Personal Ensign Handicap, uh, and the uh, Kentucky Oaks uh, uh, hero, heroine Princess Silmar was defeated in that Beldame field. So uh, she ended up with $4.8 million in earnings. I hope that the baby she did have go on to continue her legacy. Also, you may not be familiar with this horse, but uh, people in Europe certainly were. Multiple Group 1 winner Fame and Glory uh, passed away only at the age of 11. Now, he did race uh, at 2, 3, 4, and 5, but at the top level there, uh, including uh, you know uh, multiple Group 1 races, he retired at the end of 2012 with wins of $3.4 million in earnings. His first holes were 2016. So fame and glory dead at age 11. Now, you're probably watching this, but there will be a special spot in the Kentucky Derby for runners from Japan. And over the weekend, 15 three-year-olds will be going for a spot there. Uh, They carry quite a hefty Derby point system. The top four finishers, 50, 20, 10, and 5. So I believe there are really only two points races in Japan, but uh, there is one that's reserved a stall, that is, on the first Saturday in May at Churchill Downs. And I do believe that uh, we may see one in the Belmont Stakes because Naira has announced a $1 million bonus for any Japan-based horse that wins the Belmont Stakes. All right, on to some good news. Gary Stevens has been cleared to return to riding in March. Uh, Many thought perhaps we had seen Gary in the saddle for the last time, uh, but looks like he can resume his riding career in March after undergoing surgery for the replacement of his right hip just before Christmas. And uh, the doctor said, I won't have to see you again for years, Gary. Of course, he's 53 years old now, and uh, he says he's actually released to start getting on horses March 1st and start riding races early in March. So, Welcome back to the races, Gary Stevens. Well, some news from down under. You may not follow the news there, but there's quite the horse. A filly by the name of Winks, who hadn't raced in 14 months, went on to uh, win in Australia. And uh, it was her 14th straight race. It it turned out to be an easy win, as a matter of fact, but uh, quite a feat. And I believe with that record, she passes the legendary far lap. So uh, that's a pretty good company to be in for sure. Uh, Let's go now and uh, we'll take a look at uh, our jockey of the week. That was Mike Smith, who swept Santa Anita Stakes. He gets a jockey of the week. Uh, just uh, had a mount on every graded stakes race. Boy, the jockeys were glad to see him not go in one of them. Uh, the 200,000 Santa Maria Stakes, uh, where he rode Val Dory, And then uh, she was the easy horse, a one, one to five favorite. And uh, then uh, he went on to win the uh, Arcadia. So uh, congratulations to Mike 
Smith, Jackie of the Week. And uh, let's see, quick breeding news. Uh, Unified is going to be standing at Lane's End upon his retirement. Of course, that candy ride line is so hot. uh, They want to keep that in Kentucky. Uh, Let's not forget on our race results now, we'll review those, that uh, Iliad stood out in the San Vicente. Doug O'Neill, every time this year, this he seems to come up with another big horse. He's going to have a couple uh, real promising uh, three-year-olds, uh, but this is one of the horses that he got from the uh, Bob Baffert switch from Kaleem Shah. So uh, uh, Iliad wins the San Vicente and puts himself on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Let's uh, take a look now at the races that we handicapped with uh, Eric Wing. Of course, the Tampa Bay Downs, a horse with derby implications. It was the Sam F. Davis, and McCracken remains undefeated. Was raided off the pace by my buddy Brian Hernandez. Got right to the rail very early and then stayed back behind the field. Uh, Usually these horses are a little precocious. This horse rates well. He's going to have to be highly considered one of the favorites at, at the Kentucky Derby. Right now, he's undefeated, so McCracken, we're guessing he's going to return in the Tampa Bay Derby for his next Kentucky Derby prep. Of course, McCracken, uh, trained by Ian Wilkes, and again, congratulations to Brian Hernandez. Then uh, at Oaklawn Park, uh, there were Oaks implications there, and it was Chanel's legacy. At 13-1, to 1, congratulations to Alex Berzer. He got the job done with... Uh, horse that just stays out there pretty much uh, in the Midwest, racing at uh, Remington, Prairie Meadows, Delta Downs. Uh, This race, of course, Oak Lawn Park. So Chanel's legacy, she gets points for the Oaks in the second spot. Another long shot, 18 to 1, My Sweet Stella, who put in a nice move in the lane. Too much, too late. Then we went to Gulfstream Park for a series of races. The Grade One Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap. Our man Eric Wing, the horse was six to one on the morning line. Almanar gets the job done. Eric really put on a, a good show with, with his uh, with his picks there, and uh, so we we thank him for that one. It was just one of the many really good picks that he gave us here on Winning Ponies last week. Then at Gulfstream Park, it was the Hard Acre Mile Handicap. And uh, uh, the, the winner in here was Sharp Azteca, uh, who was away with Blowfield early, left him into the turn and pulled away all alone to take down that one. And the second spot was Awesome Slew. Third, Tommy Macho, who went off at 8-5. to five. Then we go out to Santa Anita, and uh, Eric uh, picked uh, an upsetter in the Arcadia, and it was Bolo, another one of Mike Smith's wins, in a head bob. Bolo gets the job done, returning $14.60 over the horse that set the pace. What a view. In the third spot was Ron Paolucci. We had him on the show last week. His conquest enforcer got the job done. It was a blanket finish at the wire, so no disgrace finishing uh, close to that field. Uh, Then out at Santa Anita, it was the Santa Maria grade two race going a mile and a 16th. As we said earlier, Mike Smith, what a weekend he had, and he got it 
done with Val Dory, a former Argentinian runner that's now in the Bob Baffert barn. Congratulations to the connections of Val Dory. In the second spot was Show Stealer, and then it was Autumn Flower. Well, that's a look at last week's race action. Uh, we're going to cover this week's race action with Railbird Bob Roberts. But right now, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. We're going to talk to a man who's at the reins of a legendary farm, Darby Dan. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a gentleman who... Uh, heads up one of the most legendary farms in North America, of course, uh, Darby Dan Farm. Uh, it was uh, founded uh, by uh, John Galbraith, and it's just, it's had amazing impact on the sport. The thing is, a lot of times you get great farms like this, but they just can't hold themselves up in that top spot forever. But uh, under the guidance of people like John Phillips, they've managed to, to stay there and create an impact not only on the breeding game, uh, but also on, on the racing game. And once again, uh, through his uh, keen eye, uh, we'll get to this a little bit later, but they, he came up with uh, another horse on a stallion roster by the name of Dialed In, who's not one of those horses that stands for $100,000. And he turned this horse into the leading juvenile sire. So uh, with no further ado, I want to... Uh, introduce you to john phillips john thanks so much for being on winning ponies oh it's a pleasure to be here john thank you very much for inviting me 
Well, all I can say is, yeah, I've always been a big fan. You know, I made a lot, a lot of visits to the farm in Galloway over over the years. And uh, I, once the, uh, Darby Dan made me a hero that got me free drinks all night, I went down to visit a friend uh, before the Florida Derby, and he started telling people at the bar, oh, yeah, this guy, he's, you know, he's a handicapper, and he works at a racetrack. And so all these guys are coming around, who you like in the Florida Derby? Who you like? And I said, horse by the name of Proud Truth. And little did I know, all these guys were going to go to the track and make huge bets that day. I really wasn't that much of an expert. And uh, so, of course, Proud Truth came through that day. And uh, so I went back to the bar that night. I thought they were going to carry me around the place. <laughs> well, it's always it's always fun when it works out. Not so much fun when it doesn't. But on occasion, we all get lucky with uh, those picks because, uh, you know, you never know. But every once in a while, you pick that good one. And, of course, Proud Truth... Not only did he win that Florida Derby, but he won the Breeders' Cup Classic in the same year, which was quite remarkable for three-year-olds to do. But it was a, uh, he was a very nice horse and was, was very well trained by none other than John Veach, who did a magnificent job of pulling him back to, to victory years or, or months later in the, in the Classic. So, well, I'm glad we made you and your friends a lot of money and a, you a good <laughs> reputation. <laughs> that that you did and you know I, I still cringe when I go back and I look at the 1974 Kentucky Derby because you know if we're not for poor racing luck I, I believe Little Current would have been a triple crown winner you know it it, it, it was unfortunate because he was clearly the best um, in those months of uh, May and June uh, you know he won the Preakness authoritatively with that inside move that um, was, you know, a paint scraper for sure. And then uh, the the Belmont, he moved on the outside, and both those races he won by seven. But it it was unfortunate. But if you'll recall, that was the 100th running of the Kentucky Derby. And I think it was also the largest, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I, I think it was also the largest number of starters in the Kentucky Derby, which was the number 24 that year. Gosh. Um, one of the impacts of that was the 20-horse rule, which right. the limitation, which came essentially out of that. Um, one of the ironies for Darby Dan is one of the first horses that was encouraged not to run because of field size was actually Dan Galbraith's. So it was, um, it was an ironic thing that the rule was, in a sense, created not formally but technically created uh, for, for the, because of Little Current, and, and yet the first person to really be asked to bow out was uh, Dan Galbraith, John Galbraith's own son. It, it's, it, it was ironic, but he, Little Current was magnificent, no doubt. Now, uh, explain to me how uh, there appear to be two Darby Dans. I, I believe that uh, uh, the... The farm that's in Galloway, Ohio, where I, I believe John grew up, uh, was kind of perhaps used more as the training center. And then um, when you guys took over Colonel Bradley's uh, farm down in uh, Lexington, that that's where most of the horses came from. Well, you're going back into some history, but that's that's right. John Galbraith was actually born in a place called Prophetically Derby, Ohio. And that was just uh, south of the Galloway Farm. When he had a little success, he bought the Galloway Farm, ran his horse, first horse, which was a fast 
polo pony, ironically, at Beulah Park and won and thought it was a pretty good idea. He, uh, <laughs> he was a dyed-in-the-wool Buckeye, to be honest with you, and only reluctantly do it, did he admit that maybe Kentucky was the epicenter of where he needed to be to raise horses. So back in the 50s, he, he uh, bought a small farm uh, called Donato, which is on Old Frankfurt Pike, and eventually um, when the owners of Idelar, which was, uh, uh, you know, E.R. Bradley's old place, um, when they decided to sell, uh, grandfather John Galbraith came and, and acquired the farm in Kentucky. And then he just would shuttle mostly yearlings and a few broodmares so he could keep them up on the Ohio farm. So they worked quite uh, for you know, about 30 years in conjunction. The two farms were shifting horses back and forth. And it was, um, for him, it was a lot of fun because he really enjoyed being around the horses. Uh, and that gave him an opportunity to watch them train every day and spend time and really get to know the the personalities of the various horses. Well, so that's how that's how that evolved. Well, and and then what evolved was was yourself. You've obviously uh, turned in uh, to an outstanding horseman and, and judge of of horse flesh. Um, was it? Uh, is is it a daunting task knowing the the, the huge footsteps that uh, are are behind you in, in Darby Dan Farm and all the great horses that have continuously come from off the farm? Uh, I, no, I look at it as a daunting opportunity. I mean, I never thought I was would end up uh, participating directly, making my life and my livelihood with with horses. It was something I always enjoyed. But I went off to law and practice law in Columbus, Ohio there. And it just as things evolved for me, it, uh, it just became more and more of the reality that my life was focusing around horses. And uh, the fact of the matter is that so much of that success is created in generations. And any horseman knows this. It, it, uh, it's all a matter of keeping the building blocks going the right way. Uh, fortunately, Darby Dan had a great broodmare band, some of which we've been able to keep together and certainly keep going. Uh, the farm is a challenge because it, it, the market, uh, the industry never is the same, and it's changed from um, you know, the old style of private farms with your private stallion breeding your own mares to a very commercial industry now. And we were fortunate um, to, to make that transition. And... and um, I, I look at it as all a big blessing. I, I never worry about missing the putt. I just am happy to be, uh, you know, in the game. Well, when I look at some of the horses in, in your stallion roster, I, I, I know of them and their accomplishments, but you, you don't have any pie-in-the-sky stud fees. I mean, Shackelford, who I'm always getting uh, notices on from uh, Thoroughbred Daily News, uh, you know, has another winner, has an undefeated winner. He only stands for 15000 Tapature, what a family he's from, and uh, stands at 7500 Now, dialed in on your website is listed at 15000 but after becoming the leading juvenile sire, he can't still be at that price, is he, John? No, he's, he's really not. You know, um, the fact of the matter is the market drives these things as much as anything. Um, uh, the last uh, couple of seasons that have traded, 
uh, unconnected with the farm, but have traded at twenty five thousand. And I suspect that that you know that trend continues with his prodigy. I mean, he's got several Derby contenders. He's got that one very good horse called uh, Gunavira that uh, won the Saratoga Special, and then the the big race down in uh, Delta Downs, the the million there. Uh, that horse is a legitimate horse, and it's it's bound to drive the prices, whether sort of whether we want it to be driven or not. And of course, I'm loving it, but the the reality is um, the marketplace is going to determine what the price is much more so than than what we are. Well, my question is, how did you develop a horse who stood for that fee? Uh, I mean, you had to do a great job of shopping mares and perhaps, you know, mating your mares and, you know, uh, get them get in the right hands or to the sales. Uh, how did that come about, John? Because it, it, it had to be a great uh, feat. I just don't understand it. <laughs> well, first of all, the first and foremost thing, John, you have to remember is that it's primarily about the horse. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of great, uh, horses have been retired with the perfect credentials and failed. And a lot of horses with sort of average credentials or good credentials but not maybe magnificent have been incredibly good. Uh, you look at uh, Warfront, uh, for example, over at Claiborne, he never won a grade one. And if you looked at him as a sire prospect, you, you know, he just wasn't really all that masculine, all that impressive, and yet he's ended up one of the world's uh, great sires. So, so you never actually know for sure. But we have a really talented team, and I, I, I really can't take much credit for it at all. We have a really talented group in our, both our sales and our stallion division that sort through a lot of mares and, very importantly, use regional programs to access a number of mares that can jump to the forefront in their own regions. And that's very helpful, whether it's the New York program, Ohio program, uh, Oklahoma or Texas or Louisiana. So we do, we do try to spread horses out in various jurisdictions. We try to uh, assess what they will be physically as well as pedigree. I'm, I'm really strong on trying to understand and get a sense of, of physicals much more than paper, although paper, uh, paper pedigree, pedigrees are, uh, you know, are very much a part of the analysis. And then, as you say, you, you deal with a, a group of people where you want to put them in the right hands. Um, and that's not always easy because when you're at that low level to start with, a seventy-five or a $10,000, so much of... What uh, how a horse is ranked in that first crop sires list is on on sheer accumulative earnings, and so the stallion manager has a, a a task that's very difficult. In one sense, he needs volume, in another sense, he needs to make sure that he doesn't undercut his quality to the point that his horses won't be popular in the marketplace or that they will have low per capita earnings, something like that. So it's a real balancing test on how a stallion manager does it. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's really the, the, the horse that tells where he's, whether he's going to be prepotent or not. And uh, so I know we'd like to take all the credit, but 
I think uh, dialed in deserves 99% of it. Well, you, you brought a word in there, and, and that was balance. And, and it seems to me that in your personal life, you're staying balanced and uh, keeping your kids grounded. I don't have too much time, but share with me some of the some of the work you do that has nothing to do with horses uh, in other countries. Well, I, I think what you're referring to, I, I have annually taken a trip down to the mountains of Honduras with a medical team. I, I am no, no stretch a, a doctor, but I have gotten very good at sterilizing medical equipment. And so every year I go down to Honduras uh, on the border with uh, uh, Guatemala and uh, El Salvador, and we put together a, a makeshift hospital and, and care for the, you know, the very under, underprivileged. Um, and I always take one of my family... One of my kids go with me, and it's just important because, as you know, John, the, the world of horses can be uh, a wonderful place and exciting, but it's also very, we're very, very lucky to live in the United States and, and uh, very blessed to have the opportunities that we have. So I try to keep myself and my kids balanced in that way. Well, I was blessed with the opportunity to have John Phillips from Darby Dan Farm on the show this evening. I uh, I wish you nothing but the best, and as you know, I've got a package in my office I'll be bringing down to you someday in the weeks ahead. Thanks, John. Great to talk to you. Okay, that was John Phillips uh, from Darby Dan Farm, and now we're going to get a guy who's actually taking a visit down there for a very special occasion. I hope he'll share the story with us, and then we'll do some capping with Bob Relbird Roberts. Right now, let's take a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me now, a frequent guest on Winning Ponies, the one, the only longtime turf rider, Bob Ralbird Roberts. Bob, how you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there, John. You? Yeah, you know I am. I'm down on my fingernails right now at the bottom of the bridge, but I'm going to hold on. Hey, listen, we were talking uh, earlier about your experience. Again, I was trying to explain to our listeners that there's really two Darby Dan farms. There's a Darby Dan farm uh, just uh, west of Columbus, Ohio, and then there's the Darby Dan farm in Lexington. I believe they have the babies down there, grow up chewing bluegrass, and then bring them up and break them in what I believe was a, a, a covered uh, a training center. Uh, and But you got to go to a very unique uh, uh, opportunity at, uh, at Darby Dan back in the day when things were really humming up there. Okay, why don't you share that with our listeners? Yeah, I may, it may have been, the, I think every year they had an annual showcasing, I believe they were yearlings, I don't think they were weanlings, yearlings about to turn two. And you would go, you would get invited and you would uh, get to the farm uh, west side of Columbus and you just kept going over hill and dale, be guys directing traffic, keep going, keep going, keep going, because that farm was so big. And all of a sudden, there's a glass and brick grandstand with a mile or a mile and an eighth training track attached to it. And you go there and you sit up in these bleachers and they give you an envelope with the breeding of all the horses and you're to uh, submit names for the yearlings. And uh, at the next year, which there wasn't an extra, I don't believe, uh, whoever had the most names selected by the jockey club got, like, you know, silver julep cups. But after the first couple of sets of horses, someone yelled out, breakfast is served, and underneath that grandstand was a full-scale uh, kitchen and restaurant. Guys in white coats giving you Bloody Marys on silver platters. It was unbelievable. They introduced the special guests. You know, um, John Galbraith was a huge Ohio State fan. Yeah. And they had just sent the company jet to bring home, back to Columbus, the new head coach of Ohio State's football team. And he was in the bleachers that morning like he should have been. And they said, say hello to John Cooper. Well, you know, he never beat Michigan, but that was the end of him. But <laughs> there, was John, there was John Cooper because Mr. DeBartle was a huge Ohio State fan. Back when he won the Breeders' Cup Classic at Aqueduct, he was torn between going to the Ohio State game or the Breeders' Cup Classic. And someone said, you better go to the race. Your horse has got a shot, and of course he won. So it was unbelievable to go to go to that uh, that showing of uh, the new stock for Darby Dad. Just uh, tremendous. And you know, Mister uh, Mister Galbraith came to our uh, annual OTBO banquet one year. I think it was at a hotel in downtown Columbus that year, not at his farm. And he hung around for the whole banquet and even watched our video where we uh, showcase our uh, Ohio champion. So he was quite the sport. He told a story about the Queen when he won the. Uh, Epsom Darby with uh, Roberto. Yeah. She gave him the trophy. He says, uh, if you'd like to send, you know, one of your mares to my stallions here for breeding, I'd be more than happy to give you a stallion season. And he goes, she says, well, thank you. And then he paused and he says, I meant one year. She sent a mare every year. (laughs) (laughs) And when you go to Darby Dan Farm, go ahead. You can't turn turn down the queen, you know. No, he knew that. 
And uh, she visited the farm in Columbus. There's pictures. Remember, if you walk around there, there's pictures in that clubhouse at this farm in Columbus of the Queen. And there's notes there from her and his Epsom Derby trophy. It's quite a place. Quite a place. And you talk about him being a big uh, Buckeye football fan. As I recall, when he was still there, that was the team's summer job was to come out and paint his fences. And I'm sure that they were paid a little bit better than the average college kid, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, I think he named one of his horses Script Ohio, I believe. Yeah, he had yes, a whole bunch did. of horses like that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He, he did. He, and of course, uh, surprises, the, the, uh, I'm, go ahead, John. The, the classic horse, Roberto, was named after Roberto Clemente. People might forget right. that he owned the Pittsburgh Pirates when they won the World Series. That's right. That's exactly right. He owned the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Roberto Clemente's uniform is in one of those trophy cases at the Darby Dan Farm. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's a great place to go. We, people should come to our banquet. We there you go. There. More people. Uh, it's, what is it this year, March 18th? It's March 18th. They've got till uh, the 3rd to contact uh, otbo.com, and they should come, uh, not if they've got an Ohio bread or anything, but just so they can get into this place, because let's face it, it is like an amazing uh, mini Hall of Fame, because he's got not only all of his Pittsburgh Steelers memorabilia there, but he's got stuff from the English Derby, he's got stuff right. from the Breeders' Cup, he's got stuff from the Kentucky Derby, I mean, you know, the greats World that... World Series uh, Trophy? World Series Trophy? Yep. It, it's I think fantastic. there's a Leroy Neiman hanging over the fireplace, isn't there? A Leroy Neiman painting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the original, yeah. Not, not a poster oh, yeah. that you bought somewhere. No. Uh, if you're a sports yeah. fan, if you like horse racing and baseball, you got to come to this banquet because it is a, it's just a treat to walk around. Look, there's Harvey Haddix's spikes, the guy that pitched the perfect game but lost after 12 minutes. There's more stuff in there. It's just incredible. There's letters from the Queen hanging on right. the wall. Right. It, I think George it, it, Bush, the older George Bush visited there too. Well, Bob, listen, uh, before uh, I, I get ahead of myself, I want to uh, take a look at uh, – uh, I know that you stay on top of this stuff, and uh, that would be the uh, races leading up to the Kentucky Derby. We're, we're right now we're getting out of the the, the ten point series, and we're going to move up to to higher points. But uh, you know, I'm just wondering who's kind of uh, impressed you. I must say, uh, horses uh, McCracken was really amazing last week in the Sam Davis, and that horse's running style is suited for a mile and a quarter. He's undefeated, but boy, he, he broke well. He went right down to the rail, saved all that ground for Brian Hernandez, and it was time to get him off the rail. He did it like he was a five-year-old. You know, a lot of the young three-year-olds won't do what he did. Very impressive. Uh, I guess he's going to come back in the Tampa Bay Derby on March 11th. Maybe even more important, he's four for four. Those first three victories were all at Churchill Downs. So uh, talk about the home court advantage. He's, he's, He's uh, very comfortable at Churchill Downs, so that's that's quite an edge right there. I'd love to see it because I love his connections. You know, Ian Wilkes for all those years working with Carl Nafsker and uh, Brian Hernandez from a great racing saddle, and he's a, he's a super uh, individual. I mean, uh, you turf riders would have a blast with this story. Yes, yes, you read about that, yeah. Well, he's... Uh, He's number one on this week's NTRA uh, top uh, top poll of the three-year-old, so uh, he's already moved into position. He's the one they got to knock off now until uh, you know until further notice. So he's uh, 
he's top of the hill. The horse that was top of the hill was Classic Empire, but he had that uh, hoof abscess and ran poorly in the Holy Bull. So I guess he's back in training. Everything's he went to the track this week, so uh, they're they're hopeful that he can uh, rebound and reclaim his position as the top three year old in the country. So you can't throw him out yet. And the horse we haven't seen yet this year is uh, Mastery, and that's a Bob Baffert horse. He won the cash call at the Los Alamitos last year. You can never discount Baffert because he's <laughs> always in position to do something good, isn't he? What yeah, about the it, Irish war cry, John? You, you got a little line on him. He was the horse that won the Holy Bull for Graham Motion. I was extremely impressed with him. Uh, the way he, uh, you know, exploded in the lane was was very, very impressive. So it, it looks like we've got another really talented group. There's another horse that's flying under the radar a little bit that's that's impressed me. His name's Gormley. Uh, I yeah. liked him as a two-year-old, and he, he uh, w- w- was a nice winner in the sham. I, I think he's got upside to him, and right now I think he's fifteen to one on the morning line. But, but like I said, he, he wouldn't surprise me uh, to improve off the races that he's had. And let's face it, I know he's uh, kind of crazy for Aqueduct right now, but uh, hard to knock El Arib. Right, I guess they're thinking of going to. Uh the Florida Derby with him now. They might get out of New York and go south. That'd be good. We can measure him against, you know, some of those other horses in Florida. That'd be a good thing. I've heard a little rumbling about the Philly, the uh, Hollendorfer Philly, Unique Bella. That uh, She's sixth on that three-year-old uh, NTRA top ten ball. So who knows? I mean, right now I'm, she's in line to run in all the Philly races, but uh, if some of the boys stumble, you never know. And, I don't know if you caught it. Uh, I don't know why the advance enter so much at fairgrounds, but they've already drawn the field for the Risen Star, which really? is a week from Saturday. Yeah, I just saw it <laughs> online. And Motown, uh, he's going in there. That'll be his uh, debut for this year. He's a he's a nice piece too. So I think right now it's really really wide open. I mean, yeah, any, you... anything. There's a horse I bet. You know, I'm not only like the handicap, I like to bet the horse who had uh, a little bit of traffic trouble. In the uh, in the race at uh, Florida, uh, Gwina, uh, Gunavera, who yes. ran against, uh, yeah, he he tried to go up the rail and got shut off and had to come around. So I wouldn't throw him out yet either. In fact, I want to bet him when he comes back. Huh? Maybe in the Florida Derby. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a, another one you got to keep an eye on. And he's another one that came off Darby Dan. I believe he's the son of juvenile champion uh, Dialed In. So uh, I think you're right. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll yeah, be rooting right. for him from uh, the Darby Dan uh, angle. Well, uh, so speaking of the Derby, I believe we've only got one Derby points uh, race this week, Bob. And uh, let's take a little trip out to Golden Gate Fields, uh, the El Camino Real, I believe it's called, uh, Derby, right. Grade Three going a mile and an eighth and uh, you know that's that's Jerry Hollendorfer's backyard he <laughs> legs up a lot of horses there he's got uh, you know a, a big barn he likes to train there it's uh, you know kind of one of the last surviving sur- synthetic tracks and he's got sheer flattery uh, who uh, ran a, a solid race was just edge for second in the uh, Robert B Lewis grade three at Santa Anita, and uh, he went up there. He's already had a trip around the track as far as training is concerned. And then um, Redham Racing's been kind of uh, 
tinkering with all these square eddy falls. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, look at the connections here. You got Redham Racing, uh, Doug O'Neill, and Mario Gutierrez. I think you've heard of those connections before. Uh, yeah. can, can, can you say uh, Nyquist? <laughs> right. Have another? Uh, so, no. uh, and, you know, people won't be knocking the California horse as much anymore after uh, California Chrome. No. Well, I handicapped these races. I do a, a Road to the Derby, one of the tracks up here, and I, I, I handicapped that race earlier today. I'm going to try to go with the home field advantage horse, six to one shot, the two horse, more power to him. He's, uh, his whole career has been at Golden Gate over that uh, artificial surface, and he's got two wins, a second and a third, and he just got beat a little bit in the Cal Derby last time on January 21st. I'm going to take a shot with him and try to beat uh, Sheer Flattery, who's never been over the Golden Gate surface in a race, or Ann Arbor Eddie, who uh, is coming up uh, from Santa Anita. So I'm going to try to beat him with the two. I don't know that. Do you know that trainer at all, Faith Taylor? I sure don't. No, she's 8 for 44. She's 18% trainer, so uh, no bad bowl of soup there. So I'm going to take the 6 to 1. I guess they got Sheer Flattery is 7 to 5, and Ann Arboretti is two to one in the morning one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot with the Deuce. More power to him. Now I'm I'm gonna take the Triple Crown horses, but now I know who I'm gonna uh, uh, put underneath in my trifecta. Thanks to you, Bob. So uh, <laughs> not even nominated can, to the Triple Crown this horse. I just noticed that he's not even nominated. But yeah, yeah, there's the only money. three: Ann, Ann Arboretti, uh, Sheer Flattery, and the outside horse Kona Dreams, who's uh, yeah. gonna throw blinkers on for the first time. Right, right. But you're right about Hollendorfer. He's awfully tough to beat. My God. Yeah, he is. He the guy's awesome on every every level. Well, I don't uh, know if people know it. He's an Ohio bred, by the way. He's from uh, he's from the town that LeBron James lives in. He's from Bath, Ohio. Went to high school in Akron, but he is a, a Northern Ohio boy, Mister Hollendorfer. Very good, and an, another successful Buckeye. Well, probably. <laughs> Of the three races we picked, Bob, I'd have to say that the grade two Barbara Fritchie at seven furlongs at Laurel uh, looks to be the most competitive. I'll tell you what, the more I looked at this, I didn't realize how many horses with graded stakes experience are going to post in this $300,000 race. This is a nice race. This, is, this has been a good race for a long, long time. People point for this race, I guess. It's a, it's a good one. What do you like? Well, you know, it, it, it's it's seven furlongs, and that's kind of a, a a niche distance. So I always try to find horses that that, that have won at the distance. So uh, that brings me a little bit into this by the moon. Uh, Horse uh, hasn't raced since December, but uh, just missed by a half length at Laurel. So I know it's never been worse than second at Laurel. But uh, you look at some of the horses that, you know, it's been dancing with. It went to, ran in the Ballerina Grade 1 at Saratoga. It was only beaten a, a length in there with Javier Castellano. Uh, ran in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare. Uh, obviously a, a million-dollar grade one race. So, uh, you, as you know, you're judged by the company you keep. And right. um, I don't know too much about uh, this jockey, uh, Caras Vago, 
but uh, that's his home turf at, at Laurel. So, uh, you know, he knows his way around. So that's one of the ones I like. Uh, the other thing is, it's interesting to see some of the people in town. I mean, uh, Karen McLaughlin brings in two. You've got Linda mm-hmm. Rice with a horse in here. She spent a little time at Laurel. She said eight starters, two wins and two seconds. Um, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see that they're kind of coming in uh, from anywhere. And you got this recent horse that's jumped up with great consistent buyers with a lot of graded experience. The outside horse, Wonder Gal. Yeah. I'm going the other way. I'm going to the rail. I'm going for High Ridge Road, who, while, he's never, uh, while she's never run seven furlongs, she has run at Laurel three times in her career, and she's three for three. And uh, I like that. And uh, the jock is good. That Caramano's kid is awfully good. And she got beat a nose in a grade three at Aqueduct, so she's no... Uh, She's no, that's Linda Rice. So, yeah, and that's awfully good for me. So, and the horse looks like it runs well off of layoffs. If you go to the lines where uh, they've been layoffs. By the way, this horse had been trained by Chad Brown until, uh, until last year, until January. And then Linda Rice took it over in April. And she's run it uh, five times, three wins, and beaten the nose in a grade three. So she's uh, definitely done a heck of a job with the. Uh, with this mare, so I'm going to take a shot with the High Ridge Road, the one. And I like your horse by the moon underneath. Yeah, you know, she certainly has found the key to the, the, that horse, as, as you uh, pointed out. And without any equipment change or anything like that, obviously can wind going long uh, and seems to be staying and rating with the pace. So seven right. furlongs certainly not beyond. The thing I like about High Ridge Road, let's face it, horse for course, three starts at right. Laurel. Has never lost. That's right. That's right. So let's hope we don't bring her down. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the last race uh, brings out a quality field, but not real big when you're running for 200,000. Grade two race. uh, Sad to say, uh, named after uh, Royal Delta that we lost this week while she was having a Galeo foal over in uh, Ireland, I believe it was. But uh, uh, mile and a 16th. it comes down the way I see it is the way the handicapper sees it. You got Curlin's approval at seven to five and asking for money at eight to five. That's a kind of a can't split them. I know it. I know it. I know. I, and uh, I kept looking and looking. That track is really, and I, I, I bet Gulfstream Park every day. That track has really, really been favoring speed, not only on the dirt, but on the grass too. Both surfaces, you go to the front. It's amazing. I don't know if you saw it, but the last, the, the daily double there today, the late double, the attempt race, the horse paid like $88, and the horse that won the last race paid $94. They're both on the lead, close to the lead. I think the daily double came back, the daily double came back like 2400 for a deuce. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was, it's, it's been a wild meet down there. You know, they got lots, and they've been running these 11 and 12 horse cars. There's so much racing, and it's getting a little crazy down there, but, uh, I like Curlin's approval in that race. Who do you like? I, I can't split them. I mean, <laughs> if you're, if, if you're going to bet them, you got to box them. Uh, as you know, yeah. you've heard me say a few times, but say that they, you're going to have to make a big box bet uh, to right. get a, a return on your money. And, you know, there could be a sleeper that could split them up. I would think that might be 
uh, Verve's tail, a horse that can rate just off the pace. Really yep. got a uh, wake-up call in its last couple races, uh, Barkley Tag. I think you've heard of him and a horse he trained by the name of Funnyside. Uh, so this horse comes out of the maiden ranks and jumps up and, and wins a grade three uh, going in a mile and eighth. You know, hasn't been out since November, uh, but it's coming off a of bullet work, you know, right. also by a Darby Dan Stallion, tail of a cotty. So, uh, you know, if there's a horse that could jump up and have a big day, I think it might be him. But, man, he's got a lot of work uh, cut out for herself against Curlin's approval and, and asking for money. And asking for money hasn't run since December 17th. I don't think that's going to help. Curlin's approval came back from the December December 17th showdown when uh, they were separated by three-quarters of a length. She came back and, and, and ran on uh, January 28th in the uh, Hurricane Birdie and won it easy. And that jock, Sayez, he's the leading jockey this winter down there in Florida. So he's having a big, big, uh, big, big season in Hallandale. So yeah, I'm going to yes. put Curlin's approval on top. Yeah, and uh, he's only ridden twice for uh, Marty Wolfsome, and uh, he's won one, so he's batting 50% down there. Uh, so, yeah, good reason to like him. Curlin's is pretty much as hot as any stud that's out there right now. Well, uh, Bob, we're down to like our last minute of the show. I guess uh, I'm going to be uh, seeing you in about four weeks, right? That's right. We'll be at Darby Dan Farm, folks. I'm telling you, it's a treat. Make sure you, if you're in the area or even if you're not in the area, Try to be at Darby, and the food's awfully good, too, isn't it, John? You're doing a nice job there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I like it, the fact that it's a buffet, so I can go back as many times as I want. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's always great to go down there. Well, it's always great to share the, our airtime with you, Bob Railbird Roberts. Uh, thanks so much for your comments and sharing your stories with us. Uh, I'm definitely going to tap into you when we get a little bit closer to the first Saturday of May, if that's okay with you. Sounds like a deal, John. Have a good weekend. All right. We've been talking with uh, turf writer Bob Railbird Roberts. I also want to thank Darby Dan Farms' John Phillips for spending time with us. I want to thank Matt Widener, our producer, for doing another great job of keeping me in line. And I hope you'll pull down your easy win forms, have a slew of winners. But remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.